0: We are continuing this week in the greatest sermon ever told, the Sermon on the Mount, and we're taking a closer look at Jesus' cornerstone teachings on everything from revenge to keeping our word, prayer, and today, perfectly woven into the relevance of our times, we're going to look at what Jesus had to say about worrying. Cool. (laughs) Because what on earth do we have to worry about these days, right? Maybe the better question is, what do we? What on earth do we have not to worry about right now? Um, this illusion of control that we had before March 16th has been pulled away, and the fact that each day has enough trouble of its own has become glaringly apparent but I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. I wanna take a minute here. Um, As you know, I serve here on Family Ministry and I just wanna give credit where credit is due and uh, just take a a time to applaud you parents, um, grandparents, aunts, uncles, caretakers, friends, for the work that you have done in the summer that never ends. Um, I know I'm right alongside you, laboring in um, trying to figure out being a homeschool parent and a work-from-home parent, and it feels like I'm standing on tiptoes, balancing dishes on one foot at the end of every day when all I want to do is slump into my PJs and watch some Netflix. But I also want to give credit to our kids. They have been an incredible picture of adaptation and flexibility when their little worlds have been just flipped upside down. For us, a lot of these things have been major distractions and major discomforts, but for them, they don't have all of these things to glean from and these past histories to know that ultimately we're going to be okay. We're going to make it through this. To them, this seems like their whole world has changed and they've done it pretty well. To wake up one morning and hear, I'm not going back to school and I can't see my friends and family. Okay, I can deal with that. And then a few days later, we told them, hey, we actually, you know, can't go inside of a restaurant and we can't go play at that playground right now. To what are we doing to celebrate my birthday party and why do I have to wear this hot mask in Costco? They've probably done it better than us adults, if I'm honest. And that's for one reason. They are looking up. They're looking up to us their caretakers, their trusted loved ones, and they're counting all of our treatment of them their entire lives, knowing that we are working for their good, always, even in their flaws. They're not looking around to everyone around them, trying to figure out what decisions everybody else is making and how they should respond. And friends, I think that's exactly where Jesus wants us to be. He wants us to be looking up to him counting his character, his promises in Scripture, and every single time where he has told us we're going to be okay. It's oftentimes through the hardest challenges that God works the greatest good. As much as we want to wake up tomorrow into our old normal, that's simply not what we're called to do. I can say that with confidence because it's not reality. It's not a hard call to discern. You see, Jesus says, um, if you think back a few weeks ago into Thea's sermon on Matthew 5, that we, Christians, are the salt and light of the earth. That we are to shine that light into the world. And as the darkness gets darker, our light will shine even brighter. So what do we do with all the burden and worry, and how do we shine light through that? That's exactly what we're going to talk about today. And because it's 2020, and there's literally an app for everything I've developed an app that I want to share with you today about worrying that's going to help us break the cycle of worrying. But first, we're going to pray, and then we'll open up God's word. Will you pray with me? Sovereign God and creator of this entire universe that is spinning, Lord, we know that you are the same God yesterday and today and forever. Calm our hearts this morning and help us to hear from your word, God, in such a relevant truth that there is a solution to our worry, God. I thank you for the freedom to open up your word here with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I thank you for the honor it is to share what you've taught me this time, Lord. And I pray that as I share that I would completely decrease, Lord, and that you would increase. Lord, be my mouthpiece. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So grab your Bible this morning. Uh, We're going to be all over it. Truth is, I grew up Baptist, so I love a good Bible drill. But uh, if it's closer, grab your phone. I know it's faster. It's totally cool. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting with verse 25 all the way through verse 34. Most Bibles even have a really handy subtitle called Do Not Worry. All right, verse 25 says, Therefore I tell you, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body not more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying... Add a single hour to your life. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans, and we'll talk about that word a little bit more here in just a minute. The pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. See, Jesus said it there first. He ends the passage with, Each day has enough trouble of its own. And do these days not seem to have enough trouble of its own? I love the Jumanji levels right now, the memes that you see. You've seen this, I'm sure. What level of Jumanji are we on today? What day is it even? My new favorite word might be blurs day. These blurry days where it seems like we're just getting by to get by. What's going to happen next month? But Jesus, he has something different to say about that. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And these days, they certainly matter in regards to the condition of our hearts. All right, back just a minute to Scripture. The word pagan You've probably heard this word in scripture. It's, it's somebody who is non-religious. It's someone who is not following God. But a little bit more description that is relevant to our message today is that a pagan is one who um, delights in sensual pleasures and material goods. So we ask, what is our delight in? Where is our treasure? Where is our hope and our confidence in Jesus doesn't lead with that question, but rather a commandment. He says, I tell you, do not worry. Listen up. It's not um, the best thing that you can say to somebody when they're worried, right? Don't you hate it when you're worried and someone says, hey, don't worry? That's really not what you're supposed to say. But Jesus says, I tell you, do not. Now, this is not a slam your hand on the table and I tell you, do not kind of commandment. This is Jesus inviting us to a better way. It's also not Timon and Pumbaa singing Hakuna Matata, Hakuna Matata that there's no worries for the rest of our days. If you have that song stuck in, the head for, in your head for the rest of the day, I'm sorry. What it's also not is a reggae-toned, lackadaisical Bob Marley saying, don't worry. His 1977 song makes it seem like there's nothing in life that we should worry about. Just look at the birds of the air and don't worry. A decade later, Bobby McFerrin comes along. He does a little bit better job in his lyrics that say, like good little children, don't worry, be happy. Now listen to what I said. In your life, expect some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. So don't worry, be happy. This is actually much closer to the teachings of Jesus, which does tell us to be like little children in Matthew 18.3 and to expect trouble in life which is John 16:33 it's been with us since the beginning of time told from different voices all over on different platforms so what do we do how do we not worry i don't think it's reasonable actually that we don't worry at all to some degree inasmuch that worry means to anguish to be burdened by to have uneasiness that's all part of being human Even God, in his human form of Jesus, had a degree of anguish. Think with me back to the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus, y'all, he sweat blood. I don't know about you, but I've never been there. I've lost a lot of sleep. I've gotten myself physically sick. I've made myself look like a crazy fool in in front of some people. But I've never sweat blood. Jesus was burdened by what the cross had to endure, what he had to endure on the cross right before him. But he never elevated that above God. He never dwelt on his troubles. You see, worry can be a sin when we elevate it, elevate that burden above the power of God. It does the very thing that sin does. It separates us from the one thing that we need, the antidote to our worry, So instead of dwelling on it, what does Jesus do? He surrenders. Matthew chapter 26, we see Jesus' words say this, please take this cup from me. He acknowledges his his discomfort. And then immediately, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And that's where I want to take us today. How do we get there? How do we get to the point where we are faced with giants and mountains of anxiety and worry and loss of control, and we, too, can surrender? And because life needs a little bit of levity these days, I want to introduce you to my app for worrying. In researching this message, I found apps for everything, from being calm to being happy, enduring uh, life's challenges, even overcoming schizophrenia. And I'm not slamming the use of such tools. In fact, the uh, publication Nature, which is the world's leading science journal, says this, about um, 29% of mobile health apps are focused on mental health. There's one called Happify that claims to be the single destination for effective, evidence-based solutions for better mental health. And though, while these tools may work, They may actually alter our mental state, or maybe they just distract us for a little while while we heal. But I have to tell you that Jesus is the only destination for complete health. Let's talk. First A in app, align your heart. Just as we heard Jesus say in our scripture today, verse 33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all of these things will be given to you as well. Similarly, Jesus' words in the Garden of Gethsemane Not my will, but yours be done. We have to surrender our thoughts, our worries, our anxieties, and our fears to frustration and check ourselves to make sure that we're not worried about something that doesn't really matter. Are we worried about something that only causes us to be more pleasurable or comfortable? Are we worried about something that is a true need? What do you treasure the most? Is it Christ? If it's not, then what will rule your heart and what you're living for is the wrong thing, and doing what you do is for the wrong things. Here's the thing with that. Shallow values produce empty victories. We have to check ourselves there. And oftentimes, when we speak out loud these concerns, that begins to help. When we name it, we name what is causing us this distress, this burden, and we check it against reality. That's actually in accordance to 2 Corinthians 10.5 that says that we are to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. So what does that look like? Here's an example. About 10 years back, I read a book by the author Beth Moore with a friend. The book's called So Long Insecurity, but really it speaks to a lot more than just insecurity, but uh, just mental health and this idea that we need to check our thoughts and our fears against reality. We can go on some long-distance mental rabbit trails when we're left to our own thoughts and assumptions. And Beth tells this story about a fear that (laughs) You know, it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but that's how these things start. It's this little seed that's planted in us that begins to get watered. And if we're not able to check it, it ultimately takes way more mental bandwidth than we need to give to it. And so she tells this story about even though she and her husband, Keith, have been married for decades at this point, they have their own godly children, and I can't remember the point yet or not, but now they do have their own children. So they're raising grand, or helping raise grandchildren, and she has a fear that her husband is going to leave her for a younger, more attractive woman. So this fear um, finally, just like I, said, like I said, takes way more of her than she's willing to give it. So she cries out to God. First, she checks it against reality and knows that her marriage staying intact is in obedience to God. So this is not a desire formed in her own nature. She cries out and says, God, all right, I'm afraid that Keith is going to leave me for a younger woman. She names it and goes on to dialogue with God all that she is burdened about. And God, in his truest form, he hears her and he answers her. He says, all right, Beth. I hear you. What happens if Keith leaves you? Write it down. All of it. So she begins to write down all of these things on paper. She feverishly writes, tears start to flow, and she cries out to God, and she says, this, all of this is going to happen. And gently he responds and says, okay, I see that. And what happens if all of that happens too? So she begins to write again, and she cries out to God, and she says, this, all of this is going to happen. The work continues until she finally gets everything out on paper. By this time, she's sobbing uncontrollably. She's drenched in tears, and if you know Beth Moore, you know it's probably safe to assume that mascara is on everything. She's exhausted and heart-torn, and she cries out to God and hears him say, okay, Beth, now what happens if all of that comes true? She pauses and thinks, I guess, God, I, I just still have you. And when she says it, she realizes where she's gotten herself and that the point of having just God is enough. And since when is that never enough? Enough. You see, friends, what happens is even if our darkest fears become reality, we still have God. We still have the relationship with him and every single promise that he has ever made in Scripture. I'll be real honest here. I am not big on asking someone to do something that I'm not willing to do myself. So a couple, about a month and a half ago, I was talking to a friend and she was sharing with me some of her fears around COVID. And when I introduced this idea to her and encouraged her to go through this exercise that night, I realized that I probably haven't done that myself. And so I sat down and I started to do the work. At this point in my life, I have young kids. And so um, my darkest fear realized is to lose my child or a child or Probably a little bit more detailed is making a decision that causes someone else to lose their child. And so, just like Beth, I put it all out on paper. Um, It wasn't easy. There was mascara in a lot of places. And I can honestly say, though, that at the end of the night, my fear was broken. I would never hope to make that fear a reality. But I can say from my heart of hearts, at the end of the day, I know. I still have my God, and that is completely enough romans eight eight i'm sorry romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine assures me that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that was not fun, and let's move a little bit forward. On to our first P of our app, and that is praise. Turn with me just a few books over to Acts chapter 16, verses 16 through 40. There's a story in scripture here of some folks that I can imagine were probably pretty worried too. For the sake of time, I'm going to give you my Cliff's Notes. So Paul and Silas are in jail. They're there because they had staked their entire lives on the fact that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, and they surrendered themselves to teaching that truth to others. There were some really stiff religious zealots back then that hated when people did that, and so they beat them up and put them in jail. But God really likes it when we do that, so he intervened in a super awesome God way. When Paul and Silas were entered in a jail, they continued to teach people about God. They made that their life's mission. The scripture even tells us that they sang hymns and they praised God. So God intervenes with this massive earthquake that shakes the entire prison. And every single one of the prisoners, even the really guilty ones, their chains fall off completely. And instead of running for their lives, Think about what they had to be worried about at that moment, they had been locked there, their health, their safety, their future, their families, all the things that they had to be worried about and they still sat there and chose to continue to praise God. They were in jail and they praised God. I ask you today, friends, what is your jail? What is your mental, emotional jail that binds you and weighs you down, that makes you doubt God's goodness and keeps you from freedom? Let me encourage you today. Let me plead with you to believe and trust in the goodness of God and praise him in your prison. Let the chains fall off and keep praising him anyway. You know, there's the coolest part of this story is actually when you read on a little bit further, people's lives, their eternal lives were saved because of these men who sat down and chose to continue to praise God. Glance back with me in Acts chapter 16, verse 29. Uh, 29 through 34 there tells us about this jailer whose whole responsibility was these prisoners. So when he felt the earthquake, he ran down to go check on his prisoners Now, if these guys had escaped, if they had made it free, it wouldn't just be that he lost his job. He would have lost his life. That would have been the punishment for him not fulfilling his duties, even in a natural disaster. So he runs down and he finds all of these men, chains free, singing and praising God. So naturally, he inquires, what on earth just happened here? Why are you guys still here? And they made it clear that they were there because they wanted what Paul and Silas had to offer. They wanted a light that had broken through the darkness and the despair of their lives and provided hope. So the jailer comes to faith in Christ too, but not just him. Verse 34 says this, The jailer then brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. His whole family was saved because of the faith of these men and their willingness to stay put when God told them to. They trusted that God was working for their good and for his glory because he always is, friends. God is always good. So who of us, by worrying, can add one single hour to our lives? But who of us, by worrying, can lessen our lives? Whose life could we save or even add to in eternity by sharing in the goodness of God, by serving him with our whole hearts and minds and strengths, and by praising him even when we are bound in chains? There are a few exact words of Jesus in all four of the Gospels. You see, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all knew Jesus differently. And they all wrote to different audiences with different agendas, just like you and I all know Jesus a little bit differently. And one of these teachings that all four men recorded says this, If you want to follow me, take up your cross daily and follow me daily. And sometimes that means multiple times today, we have to choose to take up our cross and follow him, to trust him, to choose to know him more, to serve him in our discomfort and serve him in our joy that we may praise him and bear witness to those around us. That's the eternal promise that we have. That is the hope that will shine through the darkness in this world. And that is what will save lives forever. All right, on to the last P of our worried app, and that is prayer. Here is a real-life picture of me when I, just like the scripture alludes to today, I spin out of control and worry. Jesus says, the flowers who are here today and they are thrown into the fire tomorrow, they don't spin and toil. So why do we? He circles back from his original commandment not to worry, and he asks us, Why do you worry? I want to take this chance to invite you into a different circle, a prayer circle. Instead of worrying around in circles like that last graphic alluded to, where we think we have it all together and then we figure out something and we reason through all the different circumstances that could happen there and we go through that what-if model that Beth Moore did. We come to the other end and then we think, no, that can't possibly be right. What if something else happens? And it takes us around. Instead of spinning out of control, we could be in a prayer circle praying around that over and over, exerting that same energy, petitioning the throne of God. You're probably familiar with the story of Jericho. So the Israelites um, circled around the city for six days. Now, a little bit of context here. They had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. They had been told that the generation um, before them was not going to enter into the promised land, Joshua is now the leader of them, and they had finally come to the first glimpse of hope that these folks have after wandering for so long, the first battle of what they know is probably going to be many in uh, approaching the promised land living in Jericho, uh, the people there, the Canaanites, had heard about God, and they had heard about the Israelites. They knew the story of Egypt and uh, the Exodus, and they knew that this God was a power to be reckoned with. So when they saw their enemies approaching, when they saw the Israelites, surely they thought that something crazy might happen. But imagine what they thought (laughs) after the first day when the Israelites just circled around the city and they went back to their tents. Did they get, a, did they get scared? Are they going to come back? Like, what on earth is happening? And that happened for six days. And think about the Israelites. Like, they probably felt really silly. Like, seriously, God? This is our battle plan? You want us just to walk around the city quietly and go home for six days? I'm going to be real with you they probably felt really silly, just in the same way that we can feel silly when someone tells us the solution to our worry is to pray. When we are faced with the burden and weight of the world on our shoulders, someone tells us that they want us to pray? All right. But it works. And the more we do it, the less silly it feels. So settle into it. The more we do it, in fact, the more effective it becomes. James 5.16 says this, The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And good news! We are all righteous in Christ. So your prayer, my prayer, is powerful and effective. Rather than worry around in circles, pray around in circles, even if it feels weird. And I can assure you that the walls of your Jericho will fall down. So what prayers are you willing to pray circles around today? What worries could you circle in prayer? Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 12 say this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Hold on a second. Did Jesus just call us evil? He did. But not in a a villainous evil, per se. It's just that we have this sin nature that God doesn't have. That God's motives for us are always perfect. And if we know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more are those perfect motives of God? Our Father in Heaven wants you to ask today. He wants you to ask, to cry out, to scream out in frustration. He won't be offended by your reality. He already knows. Let's pray. God, you are a good, good Father. Thank you, Lord, for all these examples in your word that give us stories of those who have gone before us that had lots to worry about. They had children they loved, they had health concerns, they they were facing fears that they didn't know how they were going to endure God. And your faithfulness has proven itself over and over again. Help us, God, to lean into that faithfulness, trusting that you are the same yesterday Today and always, that you are the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, and that none of this, nothing can ever come to a surprise to you, God. Just like you know the number of hairs on our head, God, you knew exactly the time and what our lives would look like when this pandemic came, when we had to make these choices for our children, when our loved ones would become sick. Every single thing that worries us, God, you hold in your hands. God, our finances, we surrender those thoughts and worries around everything that we have to you, trusting that you are good, that you work for our good and for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am praying with you and I would be honored to pray for you. In fact, there's an entire team of people who would be honored to pray with you. You can simply text the word pray to our prayer line and there is someone who is eager and willing, ready to connect with you and to petition the throne of God alongside you. And if you're hearing this today for the first time, uh, or maybe just you're hearing this in a new way today, and you want to make the next steps towards following Christ, uh, I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer with me and following that to text the word follow to the number on the screen. One of our pastors or church leaders will connect with you. We want to celebrate with you. and We want to be there as you continue into this eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. You can pray with me now. God, I thank you for your son Jesus, who took the punishment for my sin through death on the cross. I want to live in the eternal hope of his resurrection and with you. I take Jesus today as my Lord and Savior. Amen. Friends, I hope that you go well. I hope this lightens your burden and you continue to. I am praying with you. I cannot wait to see your faces again. I hope you enjoy this week. Stay safe and be well.